So the victory of Christ was first illustrated by Christ through the institution of communion. And Luke says it in this way. He says, as he sat at the table, he took bread and he blessed it. He then broke it and gave it to his disciples. And he said this. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Jesus went to the Pharisees one day and he said, your fathers ate manna in the wilderness and they are dead. Even though manna was bread that came from God and came from heaven, it wasn't the physical bread that would sustain or keep us. Jesus said, you shall live by the word of God and every word that proceeds from his mouth. So he says, I am the true bread of life. I am the true bread that came from heaven. I am the one that sustains and keeps your life. And so in the beginning, the Bible says the word was with God and the word was God. But then it says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And so the flesh or the bread that God was talking about was his word. And as we feast on the bread, we are saying we're going to live our lives and be kept and sustained completely not by physical bread alone, but by the spiritual bread, which is the word of God that we all desperately need at this time. So if everyone has their bread ready, lift your bread up. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, as you were lifted up and you hang between heaven and earth, you bore the sins of the world upon your shoulders. And you took the stripes that were meant for us. You paid the price and the penalty so that we wouldn't have to. But you, being the living word, came to this world as sinful men, yet without sin. And you became sin for us so that we may have the opportunity to become the righteousness of God in you. So as we partake of this bread that represents your body that was broken for us, we pray that you not only bless it, but you bless the meaning behind it. As we give our lives to you and live our lives by every word that comes forth from your mouth, we pray this all in Jesus' name. You may eat. Then Matthew records him saying this, after supper was over, he took the cup and he blessed it and he gave it to his disciples and he said this. Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission or forgiveness of sins. The Bible says without the shedding of blood, there is no remission or forgiveness of sin. He says that there is life in the blood. And as we said last week, it is very interesting that right now our scientists and doctors and medical physicians, they're extracting plasma from the blood of those who survived coronavirus. 
They're looking to the blood for a cure. Oh, if they only knew about the blood of Jesus Christ. <laughs> there is life in his blood. There is cure in his blood that cleanses us from all sin, washes our sin away. We have been forgiven, restored, and healed by the blood of the Lamb, by the blood of Jesus Christ. So we plead the blood. We apply the blood, not only upon our lives, but upon this pandemic and everyone who's been affected by it. So, Father, we thank you so much for shedding your own blood for us. We thank you for paying the price that we owe, but taking your own blood that was pure, that was perfect, that was innocent. And you sprinkle the mercy seed of God so that we may be reconciled back to you once again. So we thank you for the blood. We thank you for the power of the blood, that it is just as effective today as it was 2,000 years ago. So bless this cup that represents your sacrifice that we depend upon solely. We pray this now in Jesus' name. You may drink. Amen. 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 Well, once again, we want to thank you guys for coming out and being a part of our resurrection celebration. This is great. This is awesome. We miss you guys. We hope that y'all miss coming out and worshiping with us, but we figured this is a special occasion. And since our government has allowed us to do this, why not take the opportunity to do this? So again, if you're having difficulty hearing, turn into 106.3. 106.3 is the FM station that you can catch this broadcast on. But Lord, we do thank you again for blessing us with this time to gather in your name, even if it's in these conditions or situation that we're in. But we are grateful that your word is still able to go forth mighty, powerfully, and strong. So we pray, God, that the word that is spoken at this time come directly from your throne. It will come in power, and it will come for our good and for your glory. So watch over your word at this time. Anoint it, God. See that it performs according to your purposes for our lives and for your glory that was done even before the foundation of the world. And as you do, Lord, we'll be careful to give you and you alone all the glory, honor, and praise. For it is in Jesus' name that we pray and ask these things. And all of God's people said together, Amen! Amen! Well, I'm going to go ahead and give you the title up front, okay? Because I know a lot of y'all, y'all don't think I get started until I give you the title. And I don't know when I'll get to the title, so just so you won't think he hadn't started yet, let me go ahead and give you the title or the theme of this year's message today. The title simply put is The Comfort of Christ. The Comfort of Christ. We started Holy Week last week with the coming of Christ. And we talked about how his coming uh, was more than just him coming as king. He also came as cure. He came as the cure to uh, solve the issue of our spiritual distancing that we had between God and man. So he came as Christ the King. 
He came as Christ to cure. But today we want to end Holy Week by letting you know he also came to comfort you at this particular time. Christ is the comforter, which is the reality of the resurrection. You know, each week I try and come up with a, an illustration for my message, and that is because of the purpose of an illustration. The purpose of an illustration simply is to paint a picture or to get you to see what is being said. That is why Jesus spoke in parables. One of the reasons why he spoke in parables, because a parable or an illustration will paint a picture for you or it will allow you to see what is being said. And so I've been known to sit at my office or at my desk and sit there for hours trying to think of the perfect title and the perfect illustration for the particular message that I'm in. But this particular week, I had no problem coming up with the illustration. I had no problem coming up with the illustration we're going to use today because we are living it right now. We are living the illustration that I am using right now. With this pandemic that we are faced with, with this coronavirus that is going around right now, we now have over 100,000 deaths worldwide. Over 100,000 deaths now due to this pandemic. Over 20,000 in our nation alone due to coronavirus. And so there is death all around us. And the fear of death is ever present with us. And so I believe this is the great backdrop or the perfect illustration to talk about the comfort of Christ. You know, Jesus gave a sermon one day on the mount. I'm sure it was just like this, where he stood on the mountainside and everybody gathered in front of him to hear this message or this sermon on the mount. And in this particular sermon, he gave what is known as the Beatitudes. You know the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the kingdom of God or the world. Well, there is one particular blessing that I want to focus on today. And it was, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And there's never been more of a time when we need to be comforted than now. There's never been more of a time when anybody needs comfort than when it is due to death. And if you've ever lost a loved one, you know what I'm talking about. We can lose a lot of things in this life. We can lose a job. We can lose money. We can lose our health even, but there is nothing like losing life. There is nothing like losing a loved one. There is something about death that, that does something to us. It, it crushes the soul. It leaves a gaping hole that can't seemingly be filled by anything. And that is because death, although it is natural, was never meant to be normal. You need to know that. You need to hear that. You need to understand that. That death, although it is natural, was never meant to be normal. Death was not in the plan of God. Death comes from the sin within. The sin within man, hu 
humanity and the sin that is within this fallen world. Death is a product of sin that is within. And even Jesus was of no exception to this rule. Even though he knew no sin, he would become sin, the Bible says, for us. And because of this sinful fallen world filled with these sinful fallen men, he too would succumb to death as well. So if there was ever a time in human history when there were those who needed to be comforted after death, it was certainly the death of Jesus Christ. After all, he was the promise. He was the living hope. He was the one to come to save the world. He was the one that we've been looking for and hoping for and waiting on. But now that he is gone, now that he is dead, what do we do now? And so you had all of his disciples, all of his followers who were mourning his death, mourning the fact that he was gone. And so because they were mourning, Jesus would have to come to practice what he preached. If he said on the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted, then Jesus now would have to go practice what he just preached. He would have to come to bless those who are mourning by comfort. And so that's what he would do. What better way is it? What better way is it to comfort those who mourn due to death than by coming back to life? What better way can you comfort somebody who is mourning over the loss of somebody than for that somebody to come back to life? And isn't that what we want when we lose a loved one? Don't we want to hear that that can't be true? That report isn't real? This is just a dream? I know any moment they're going to walk through that door again. Isn't that what we all want? No words can comfort us. No, no hug can comfort us. Nothing can comfort us at that time like if they were to come back and walk through that door again. It is the greatest way someone could be comforted when their sorrow and when their mourning is due to death. Just recently, I had a dream of my late sister. My late sister passed about five years ago or so. And I had a dream about her, and I was able to wake up smiling. I was able to wake up rejoicing because I was able to see her again. Even if it was in my dream, seeing her come back brought comfort to me. So there's no greater way to be comforted after death than to have the loved one that you have lost come back to you. And that's what Jesus Christ came to do. That's what resurrection is all about. Because resurrection restores what's been lost and it fills what's been left void. As a matter of fact, Jesus would often use resurrection to comfort those who were mourning due to death. He would go into a house of mourning. He would go to Jairus' daughter and say, Mourners, don't worry. She is just sleeping. He would go to her and say, little girl, get up. <laughs> and she would get up. She would rise up and he would present this little girl back to her family. And they were comforted. Why? Because she came back. He then would pass a funeral procession 
where again they were mourning and the mother, the widow, she was mourning over her only son. He goes to this woman. He says, woman, do not weep. He touches the coffin. He says, young man, get up. And he gets up again. And he's able to give his, her back his son again where she is comforted. The best way you could be comforted when your sorrow, when your mourning is due to death is to have life be- bring, brought back to you. Is have the one who died brought back to you. But the resurrection where its meaning was first mentioned was with the raising of Lazarus. Was with the raising of Lazarus. You know the story. Lazarus gets sick. Lazarus catches coronavirus. And Mary and Martha, they send word to Jesus and say, Jesus, Lazarus, the one that you love, the one that you love, he is sick and he is dying. You need to come see about Lazarus. I know you can do something about Lazarus. The Bible says that Jesus didn't go right away. He waited and waited and waited. He waited until Lazarus died from his sickness. And then he went to go see about Lazarus. Four days later, Lazarus has been dead for four days. And then Jesus decides to show up. (laughs) Mary and Martha, they're there crying. The house is mourning. And so much so that you get the shortest verse in all of the Bible. Jesus wept. (laughs) When Jesus saw the mourning and the sorrow that was taking place because Lazarus has died, then it caused him to even weep because of it as well. And so he goes to them at this time, and Mary and Martha, they are upset at Jesus. They are saying what a lot of people are saying today. Lord, if you were only here, you could have done something about this. Jesus, where were you when we needed you the most? Why did my loved one die? Where were you when they got sick? I prayed. I fasted. I went to church. I called on your name. I believed it. Where were you? And they are saying the same thing to Jesus. Jesus, where were you? If you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And you have so many people in this world right now who are asking God the same question. God, where are you? There are over 100,000 people who are dying of this disease. 20,000 in the United States alone. Millions who have contracted this disease. God, where are you? God, we've been praying. God, we've been fasting. God, we've been believing. You hadn't shown up yet. They didn't understand that this was the making of a miracle. God had something in plan. God had something in store for them. They didn't get. They didn't understand. They didn't realize this setback was coming up for a comeback that was going to change their lives forever. And so Jesus comes to them and he says, don't worry, your brother will rise again. So why did God have to wait four days to come? Why didn't he come right away? Why didn't he come the very first time he heard of Lazarus being sick? Well, if you remember, if you remember whenever you were young and you were playing sports or you were in athletics, And you would be playing somebody one-on-one in basketball or racing somebody. 
sometimes you would like to spot them some points, right? You say, we're going to play the 10, but I'm going to go ahead and spot you five points. <laughs> or we're going to run this race, but I'm going to go ahead and give you a head start. Why would you do that? So that your comeback may be more impressive. Okay? So when you come back, it, it will look that much better when you beat that person. God says, I'm going to give death a head start. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to give death a head start. So when I come back, <laughs> my glory will be more impressive than if I would have just healed him from this sickness. Here, <laughs> God says, I'm going to give death a head start and then I'm going to come back here. So he says, don't worry. Your brother will rise again. Martha's response was, I know, I know, at the last day, at the resurrection, I know the dead in Christ are going to rise. I know my Bible. I know prophecy. I know scripture. Jesus says, no, Martha, you don't understand. I am the resurrection. <laughs> I am the resurrection. You are waiting for a day, but I'm here to tell you the resurrection is not one day. It is the divine one, okay? And the divine one is here. I am here to raise your brother out of the grave. And he goes to the grave and he says, Lazarus, get up. <laughs> and he restores Mary and Martha's brother to them. And they are comforted at that time because there is no greater comfort when your sorrow and your mourning is due to death, then when the loved one that you've lost comes back. But what this would be, this would simply be a preview of what he would do. <laughs> what Jesus did here for Mary and Martha and Lazarus, it would simply be a preview to what he would do. Because when he was on that cross... They begin to mock him and they begin to throw insults at him and they begin to say things like, well, he saved others. Let him save himself. And if you really are the Christ, then come down from that cross. If you really are who you say you are, then come down and prove it. But just like with Lazarus, Jesus, too, would wait for death. <laughs> Jesus was God is God, will ever be God, he could have gotten himself off that cross, didn't have to go to the cross. He told Peter, don't you know I can call down 12 legions of angels who will save me from the cross. He had all the power to save himself from death. But just like he waited for death with Lazarus, he waited for death with himself as well. And for the very same reason. <laughs> the Bible says that the wage of sin is death. The soul that sins will surely die. And even though he did not sin not one day of his life, he was willing to become sin for us. Therefore, he had to pay the price, which was death. So he would hang there waiting for death to come. As a matter of fact, he would give death a three-day head start. <laughs> so death, I'm going to let you take me out. And I'm going to even give you a three-day head start. Why? So when I come back, it will be that much more impressive. When I come back, it will be that much more glory that I'm going to receive. And so now, as Jesus has died, and now that he's been placed in a borrowed tomb, and now it's been three days since his death, 
all of the disciples, all of the followers are mourning his death. They are sorrowing over his death. The Marys are mourning at the grave. The men are mourning at the house. Oh, but early Sunday morning. (laughs) The Bible says just before the break of day, that stone was rolled away and Jesus steps out in glory and he goes first to comfort Mary there at the graveside. Then he goes to Mary and he says, now go tell my brethren. That I have risen, that I have come back to be of good cheer, to have joy. Why? Because I have returned, just like I said, and that's when the rejoicing begins. So, yes, sorrow may last for a night, but it is joy that comes in the morning. And the joy came Sunday morning over 2,000 years ago. Joy came back into this world. Why? Because Jesus came out of death, hell, and the grave for us all. Now, you may say, well, I get all of that. I understand all of that. I know why we're here. I know what Easter is all about. But what does that have to do with me? What does that have to do with my loved ones that I've lost? I mean, the loved ones that I've lost, they're not coming back. If I catch coronavirus or my children catch coronavirus or my loved ones catch this and it takes me out, we're not coming back. So even if Jesus did rise from the dead, what does that have to do with me, you may be asking? Well, in certain movies, they like to use a style or a technique I'm sure you're familiar with. They like to, you know, of course, have movies tell a story and have it in sequential order, but every now and then, A movie will start with the last scene first. (laughs) They will give you the end of the story first, and then they will back up to show you how we got there. So that's what I want to do right now to show you what this has to do with you. Because Paul would say this in 1 Thessalonians 4.18. In 1 Thessalonians 4.18, he would say, Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Now, again, whenever you see the word therefore, you need to back up to see what it's there for. Okay? Therefore is a conjunction and it is connecting two thoughts. In light of what I just said, this is the promise that's connected to you. God says this through Paul. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. So what were the words that Paul was given? And why did they need to be comforted at this time? Well, if you back up to verse 13, he's going to let you know. In 1 Thessalonians 4, 13, it says this, But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. Now, there's nothing wrong with sorrowing when someone dies. There's nothing wrong with mourning the loss of a loved one. There's nothing wrong with weeping and crying because someone has died. God simply says, I just don't want you to sorrow like others who don't know who you know (laughs) or who don't know what you know. Because that's what ignorance is. Ignorance doesn't mean dumb. It doesn't mean stupid. It simply means you don't know. So God says it's okay to sorrow, it's okay to mourn, it's okay to 
Now, this is where we get to go back to our series in our 70th week of Daniel. We went through all of the 70th week of Daniel. We talked about the tribulation and, and the Antichrist and the mark of the beast and the one world currency and all those things. We even gave you the great tribulation and why we believe we won't be here for it. Well, right here, Paul gives you the end of the week. And the end of the week is going to come with Jesus Christ coming back to this world. Jesus Christ stepping foot on this earth once again. But please notice, he won't be coming by himself. <laughs> Jesus Christ is coming back, but he won't be coming back alone. The Bible says, we who sleep in him will be coming back with him. <laughs> so that means the only way we can come back with him then is that we are with him now. <laughs> that means whenever we leave these bodies and we leave this world, we are going to be in the very presence of Almighty God. That's why Paul says in another scripture, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. We will be with him then because all those who die believing in him are with him now, he lets you know what's going to happen at the end of the 70th week. But then he goes back to the beginning of the 70th week. He says this in verse 15, For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. That is their dead bodies. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. These words were meant to comfort you in your time of loss, comfort you in your time of sorrow when your sorrow is due to death. So when you know this, when you understand this, when you believe that death has already been defeated, <laughs> not one day will be, no, death has already been defeated. When you know that, when you understand that, when you believe that, you are no longer in fear of it. You are no longer controlled by it, nor do you live life without hope due to it. Why? Because Jesus rising from the dead is proof of his power over death. That is what you need to know and understand. The reason why we are here and the reason why we make this a big deal and the reason why we invested so much in doing this is because you need to know that Jesus rising from the dead is proof of his power over death. Death no longer has power over him. He is God. He is sovereign. He is king of kings. He is Lord of lords. There is nothing greater than him, including death. So you say, well, okay, that's great for Jesus. <laughs> but again, what does that have to do for me? What does that mean for me? Well, Romans 8.11 says this. But if, again, there's that word again, this is conditional. 
But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, <laughs> the if or the condition is not if he raised from the dead. We know that. <laughs> the if or the condition is if the same spirit that raised him from the dead dwells in you. That's the condition. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, watch this, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies, your right now body, the bodies that you have right now, not your celestial body, not your glorified body, not your heavenly body, your right now body. If the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, then that same spirit has the same power to give life to you over death, hell, and the grave as well. Yes, it means we will rise when Jesus comes back. Our bodies will. But it also means he's given us resurrection power for the life that we're in right now. For everything that we're faced with right now. He has given us resurrection power. Why? Because the same spirit that got him out of the grave is the same spirit that lives in you and I as well. That is the victory. That is the hope that we have in Jesus Christ in the resurrection. So if you are fearful this morning, if you are fearful due to the death that is all around us right now, or due to the fear of death that is ever present with us right now, and you are in need of being comforted right now. Let me end on comforting you with the words of Jesus Christ himself and the reality of the resurrection. In John eleven twenty five, John eleven twenty five, Jesus is still speaking to Martha. And he goes to her and he says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, not just believes about me, <laughs> not just believes facts about me, that there is a God. Well, demons believe that. That Jesus came to this world. Well, yeah, a lot of people believe that. That even Jesus died for our sins and came back again. Demons and Satan believes all that. They are not saved, though. It's not believing that. It's believing in. So God says this, he who believes in me, not just about me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me, the Bible says, Jesus says, shall never die. And then he says this, do you believe this? Do you believe this? What God is telling us today is this. My resurrection proves my power over death, okay? The mere fact that the grave is empty proves that Jesus is alive and he has the power over death, hell, and the grave, okay? That's number one. But number two, what Jesus wants us to know is this. If you believe in me, death will no longer have any power over you, okay? If you truly believe in me, then death will no longer have any power over you. <laughs> you will never experience what many people fear the most. 
There are a lot of people right now who are walking around in fear due to this pandemic. They're walking around in fear right now over death. But if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, if you believe in Jesus Christ, if you put your hope, your trust and your faith in Jesus Christ and in him alone, what many fear the most, (laughs) we will never experience. You won't be dead long enough to even know what death feels like. (laughs) Your last breath on this side (laughs) is your first breath in glory. God has given you the same power over death again. But then he asked Mary and Martha this, and this is the million-dollar question. After he tells them all this, he says, now, do you believe that? (laughs) Do you believe in what I just said? Do you believe in what I just spoke? Because the difference of you being controlled by this chaos and this calamity that's all around us and being comforted by Christ is whether or not you believe in that word. If you truly believe in the word of God that he just gave you, then you will be comforted by Christ rather than controlled by calamity. If you don't believe those words, if you don't believe Jesus got up out of the grave, if you don't believe he has power over death, if you don't believe that death has been defeated, if you don't believe he is giving you that same power, then you're going to be controlled by all of this calamity that we are faced with at this time. So God wants to comfort you right now. God wants to give you strength right now. God wants to give you peace right now. And so he gives you this word that he has given you this power even over death. And if you believe that, if you trust in that, then you will be comforted by that. (laughs) Now I have an older brother. And like many older brothers, he lived to... Make my life miserable. (laughs) He would pick on me and tease me and wouldn't let me hang out with him and his friends. He'd make my life miserable. But there was one good thing about having an older brother. I had somebody I can run to or call on whenever a bully would start messing with me. (laughs) Whenever somebody older than me wanted to pick on me or fight me or mess with me or whatever, I could call my older brother. I can go get my older brother. I remember there was one time I was in elementary school. Me and a couple of friends, we were trick-or-treating. These older kids, they saw us, and they decided to come over and mess with us and try and take our bags of candy. And so as they came over and approached us and began to try and take our candy, one of them said, oh, wait a minute. You're Sammy's little brother, aren't you? Aren't you Sammy's brother? I said, yeah, he's all, never mind, and they walked off. See, he recognized me, but he really didn't recognize me. Who he recognized was my older brother in me. (laughs) And because he recognized my older brother in me, he didn't want to mess with me because he didn't want to deal with him. (laughs) Well, how many of you know we have an older brother today named Jesus Christ? Jesus Christ is our older brother. (laughs) And he has already defeated death, hell, and the grave. So when hell comes to us, when death tries to bully us, when we are terrorized by the things of this world, all we got to do is go get our older brother. They ought to recognize our older brother in us already. But if it doesn't recognize our older brother in us, all we got to do is remind them, remind them, wait a minute, my older brother defeated you already. My older brother 
beat you already. My older brother whipped you already. You don't want me to get my older brother. <laughs> Jesus Christ is our older brother who's already defeated death, hell, and the grave for you. And he's able to give the same life-giving spirit to all those who are willing to come to him. So that is what we want to leave with you today. That is my message. I'm out of time. That is my message today. But before we let you go, we want to give you an opportunity right now to make some decisions in light of what you have heard. We put this on because we wanted to serve our family. But we also wanted to make this an outreach in hopes that others may come to this and hear this gospel message. Hear this life-saving, life-changing, life-impacting message of Jesus Christ. This is what Resurrection Sunday is all about. And so if you're here today and you have never given your life to Jesus Christ, you've never believed on his only begotten son, you've never surrendered your life to him, you've never turned from the way and the direction that you were going that is leading you to hell and spiritual separation permanently and forever, you've never turned from that into Jesus Christ, the cross and his kingdom, we invite you to turn to him today. We invite you to give your life to him today. We invite you to surrender your all to him today and just simply cry out to him because he says, if you will confess him with your mouth and if you will just believe on him in your heart, you will be saved. He will forgive you for all of your sins. He will forgive you for everything that you've ever done or everything that you will do. His blood is that powerful. His blood is that effective. <laughs> he can cleanse you from all unrighteousness. No matter how bad you've been, no matter how many things you've done, no matter how far you've gone, as long as there is breath in your body and a will in your heart to do so, you can always return back to the Lord and he says, I will return to you. So we pray that you would give your life to Jesus Christ today. Receive this resurrection power so that you will know without a shadow of a doubt that you will never die again. You will never experience death. Death no longer has power or control or influence over you because you would have received the same life-giving spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, it will be granted unto you, unto you as well. So if you're here today, if you're under the sound of my voice, and you've heard this message, do not harden your heart. Do not say that's for somebody else. Do not say that's for another time in my life, not right now. Do not say that because whether Corona takes you out or not, it has been appointed to us all to once die and after that face the judgment. God will remind you of that time when you came to believe church parking lot and you heard the message of mercy and of grace that was extended unto you. Where you didn't have to work for it. You didn't have to earn it. You didn't have to pay for it. You couldn't do all those things. You couldn't be good enough for it. All you had to do was receive it by believing. But then you refused. Do not refuse the hand of God at this time. Take his hand that will get you off the road that is leading you to hell and life forever without him. Take his hand at this time 
and receive resurrection power. Amen. Well, we want to thank you so much again for being here, for being uh, a part of this uh, particular service. We love to um, be able to worship with you again personally if and when this is all lifted. We are praying and believing that the day is going to come when this is going to be lifted. The doors of the church will once again be open and we will be able to rejoice and celebrate and praise Almighty God together again. But until that time, please know the work of the Lord continues. The work of the Lord goes forth today. So I don't have the scripture. The My iPad has now been fried through the sun. That's <laughs> all right. <laughs> Overheated. So I don't have the address of where our benediction is, but I know what it said, okay? So before we let you go, we want to just give you a few more reminders. We will not have service this Wednesday, but we'll resume service on Sunday just via live stream. We're going to continue our series, The Seal Revealed, the book of Daniel and the end of days. And so please tune in to believechurch.cc where you can watch, you can share, like, comment, su subscribe. You can also give there to support this ministry through this crisis that we may continue the work of the Lord. But as you go, I want you to go with the words that the angels gave to the women. They said, he is risen. He is risen indeed. Now go and tell his disciples. Jesus Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Now go and tell his disciples. And that is my message to you and I today. If you believe that he is risen and that he is risen indeed, then we want you to leave this parking lot and go reach the world for him. Go tell the world that he is risen. <laughs> Those who are afraid... <laughs> Those who are fearful, those who are controlled by this calamity all around them, give them the answer for the hope you and I have. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Let me bless you. Let me pray for you, and then we'll be dismissed. Father, I thank you so much for this time, and I thank you for your presence being here. And I thank you that nothing has been able to stop your word and your spirit from going forth. And I thank you, God, that it has reached the hearts and minds of your people who have received it, who have believed it, and who will practice and apply it not only in their lives, but they will go out now and make disciples of all men for their good and for your glory. So I pray now at this time, God, as we leave this place, may we never leave the truth that we have heard here today, that death has been defeated, and the same spirit, the same power, that you use to defeat death with, you've given unto us as well. So whom shall we fear? Whom shall we be afraid of, knowing that if God is for us, there is no one and there is no thing that can be against us. We thank you. We love you. We praise you in the name that is above every name, Jesus, the Christ, our Lord, our Savior, our King. We bless your holy name in that magic majesty's name jesus the christ and all of god's people said together amen 
Amen and amen. God bless you. God bless you. We love you. We will see you next time.